I'll tell you what, um, welcome to Kensington, by the way. Um, if you come from a conservative church background and are just wondering what the heck just happened, um, that's just kind of how we roll around here. Um, it's kind of what we do. We're always looking for a way to bring fun and joy into our services because many of you, like me, um, you know, you grew up in a very traditional church. Um, you know, how many of you grew up in a very traditional church growing up? Okay. And then and some of you, a lot of you, um, and some of you grew up, you know, Catholic, which is even a little more liturgical and, and traditional. Um, I was Catholic for a little while. We did the Catholic thing as a family. Um, but the churches that I grew up in did a great job of being reverent. They did a great job of being reverent, but they leaned that way so much that you would think, um, you would get the impression that laughter and joy and God do not go together. They're, they're not compatible. Um, it's like laughter and joy is over here, and then you got God. Like, that's just how it works because of the church. And so we're, we're starting a new five-part series, Five Surprising Things um, That God Loves, and um, we're going to lean into laughter and joy today. And, and why we're doing this series is um, because when you discover what a person loves, um, you actually get to know their heart. And when you get to know their heart, you actually get to know them. And it's the same thing with God of just going, hey, let's talk about things that God loves, that we know he loves. Um, and, and, and I will just say this. A lot of us have misconceptions about the heart and character of who God is. And, and my hope that is that this series will reveal to some of us a God that we don't really know because we've never really been taught about his heart and what he loves. And for some of us, it'll be a reminder of who God really is in a way that might draw us into living our lives a little differently because we are actually connected to um, the things that God loves. And, and so today um, we did what today is all about. It's laughter. God loves laughter. He loves joy. But there is this idea out there that the more spiritual we become, the more serious we have to be. And I don't know where that comes from. I think part of it is if you were growing up and you had, you know, an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa that were very spiritual, um, they seem to be pretty serious, like toe the line. And, and kind of that's kind of where we get our idea that, you know, if you're spiritual, you, you have to be serious. And, and I will just tell you that couldn't be further from the truth when it comes to who God is and what he loves. So, uh, so for some of you, the big truth today that I really want you to just wrap your head around, um, and for those of you that know God, because sometimes we forget this, I want you to know this big truth, and that is this, um, God is the most joyful being in the universe. Um, it's just really simple. If you want to know who God is, one of the traits of God is he's one of the most joyful beings in the universe. I don't think many of us get this about God and we don't believe this about God. And there's good reason for it. Think about all the um, religious art that you've seen in your life, all the religious art, the, the, the stained glass windows, the churches that you've been in, the museums. Um, think about Jesus and the art that you see just about Jesus. Um, there's three predominant kind of pictures of Jesus that you see. And uh, the first one, you know, maybe you've seen this, is just a very uh, stoic Jesus. Like this is kind of the art that you see. And so here, this is kind of the picture. It's like he's just very stoic, not emotional, very straight laced, very, very even keeled. That's Jesus. There's another picture of him and that's just it. There's a like really no emotion on that face. And it reminds me of one of my favorite Star Trek characters, um, this one. Like, isn't that right? Like, it's just like it's Spock. It's Jesus Spock. It's like the same one. It's just like no non-emotional. That's kind of how you can grow up thinking about who Jesus is. Well, uh, there's another one that we kind of get, another picture of Jesus we get through art and kind of growing up. And that's a very peaceful Jesus. The very the first picture that I found is, is just this one. You can see it. Yeah, it's like, no, okay, maybe he doesn't did that, didn't do that back then. But, but it's like it's just kind of the, the facial expression. I mean, just a peaceful guy. There's another one here um, that we have, and that's just in a stained glass window of just Jesus 
holding lambs, and he's so peaceful that lambs just lay in his arms and don't do it. They just love being there. And that's just who Jesus is for some of us. There's another one here um, that's just more of an angry Jesus. Maybe this is kind of your view of God and of Jesus growing up, and, and this is kind of, you see that stern look, that stern kind of eyebrow is furrowed, and, and it doesn't matter like where you're at. It looks like he's looking at you because you're doing something wrong all the time. You know, he's just always got his eyes on you. And, uh, you know, there's another picture um, that's just kind of a, like even his mustache is like frowning. Like if you see that, it's just kind of pictures of, of Jesus. You hear of God the cop. You hear of God the whack-a-mole player, right, waiting for us to screw up, and bam, he wants to hit us. You've got God the, the librarian that's just like, hey, be quiet and just do as you're told and just listen to the rules. Um, but rarely do you see pictures of Jesus that are like this. It's the laughing Jesus. It's this one right here. Rarely do you see this. Now, just I want you to look at that picture and think of the Jesus that you picture in your mind when you think of him. Do you picture him that way? Ever? Head back, roaring with laughter. In fact, we got another one. It's like it's, it's, it's like a close up. It's like it's like ha 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 ha. Like it's just I don't. It's just a close up of the other one. Um, but but I don't think many of us see Jesus that way. But we need to. We need to. See, we forget sometimes that God created us in his image. The full range of human emotions gets its genesis in the emotions of God. And somehow we've disconnected joy from God. As if he's not a God of joy, he's a God of all the other stuff. But really, our emotions come from him. We're made in the image of him. And so we kind of want to reconnect joy with God this morning um, because we're created in his image. And because we were created in his image, we were made to laugh. We were designed to laugh. Like if you could see God's face right now, there would be a smile on it. Why? Because you're in church and you're laughing at the same time. He's like, that's how it's supposed to be. And I say that all the time. Michael alluded to it. It's one of the, one of the driving forces for me with the church and leading the church is, is I believe that if the Bible is true and God loves you and God knows you and God created you and God knows every little detail about you and knows your name and sent his son out of his love to die for you on the cross so that you might have an eternity in heaven with him, if all of that is true, then church should be the best hour of your week, right? Because it's like life kicks you in the face. We need to come in on Sunday mornings and go, oh my God, I forgot that you're a God that not only loves me, but you're a God of joy, which is where we're kind of going today. Uh, you know, church should be fun to me. Like, that's what I think, because I grew up in churches that weren't any fun. Um, church should be a blast. And, and I'll just say this, uh, because God and joy go together, so should Christians and laughter. Because God and joy go together so should Christians and laughter. Uh, unfortunately, um, whether you're a Christian or not, there's something that happens to us as we, as we grow up. And I don't know if you know this, uh, but you, you will know the answer to this question. As we grow up, uh, do we laugh more or less the older that we get? More or less? It's less, isn't it? In fact, the statistics are staggering. A child laughs around 500 times a day. A child laughs 500 times a day. Adults laugh, 15. 15. That's the difference. A child, 500. Adults, 15. Well, what happens to us? We grow up, right? And then we get all, we start acting like adults, which is, unfortunately is more serious and boring. You know, that's just kind of it. And so, so here's what we want to do, because um, we're about to find out from God's word and scientific study that um, you and I need to laugh more. Like, in general, we need to laugh 
more. And so I want to help us today get to that 500 times a day. I don't know if we're going to hit it in this service, but I just want us to, to laugh. And so I want to show you a clip of one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Anybody like stand-up comedy? Um, man, I love stand-up comedy, especially uh, ones that just get me belly laughing. And one of my favorites is a guy named Michael Jr. Um, he is a phenomenal stand-up comedian. He goes around the country. Um, and the best stand-up comedians, what are the, there's two things they do. Um, one, they make fun of themselves and they make fun of real life and they make fun of their life. And so I want you to watch a two minute and 30 second, seven second clip of Michael Jr. talking about growing up and how he grew up and how he grew up poor. And, uh, and I want to just give you the freedom to sit back and just laugh, like put your guard down and let him take us on a two minute and 37 second journey where you just realize it's okay to laugh in church. And this guy is funny. So let's watch this together. Even as a kid, growing up, we were poor. We weren't even poor, we were po. <laughs> we couldn't afford the other letters, man. <laughs> we had no money. I was actually being sponsored by a family from Haiti. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny joke. <laughs> I see this lady over here struggling. She don't know if she should laugh or not. Hmm. <laughs> when you're poor, your creativity excels. Like it really, really excels. I remember I wanted an action figure when I was 10 years old. I wanted an action figure so bad. My birthday came along. My dad hands me a box. I open it up. It's empty. He said, it's Invisible Man. I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> I played with that thing for like three weeks, man. So my brother hid it from me. <laughs> Couldn't find it nowhere, man. I knew he took it. We played games. We just made up games. We played this one game called uh, Talk About You. The instructions were to just talk about you. <laughs> That's all we did. We talked about each other. My friends would talk about me, but like, Michael Jr., you got some big feet. And I was good at this game. I was like, oh, yeah, well, you're so dark skinned. I bet if you ride a motorcycle, you get a ticket for tenant windows. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. White people are looking for black people to make sure they can laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay? You sure? No? Hmm? We had no money, man. We had a, my parents would buy us some stuff, but they couldn't pay for everything. Like, we had the game Operation, right? We ain't had no batteries. <laughs> then my cousin came over, and he figured out a way how to plug it into the wall, right? It's <laughs> a whole nother game now, man. Oh, isn't that fun? I love stand-up comedy. And, and what you're going to find out is, um, is I, I want to share three thoughts on God and laughter with you. Um, you're going to find out that, that, that we need to do that a whole lot more. And uh, so I'll give you my first thought on, on God and laughter, and that is this. Um, joy and laughter is a gift. 
It's a gift actually from God. Um, Jesus, numerous times in Scripture, um, is teaching us about what he wants for us. He, you know, there's a lot of people that think, oh, God just wants everything from me. He wants to give him everything, and I have to follow his rules, and he just wants to clamp down on my life. No, there's a whole lot of things that God wants for you, and you find in Scriptures what God wants for you. You find it in Jesus talking where he's praying to God about and for us. And he prays this right before he ascends into heaven um, after resurrecting from the dead, and he's heading back to be with his father. And this is what he prays about for you and me. He says in John 17, 13, he says, I'm coming to you now, God, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they, you and me, may have the full measure of my joy within them. They have the full measure of my joy. Jesus is praying that we would have his joy in us and not just some of it. It's the full measure. He wants you to have the t- filled up to the top of your cup to overflowing with joy. And another teaching, um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to us, and he is talking uh, about staying connected to us, like a branch connected to a vine. He says, look, I'm the vine. You are the branches. And he says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Stay connected to me and I'll be connected to you. And he says, if you are regularly, continually drawing from me strength and the nourishment that your soul needs, your life will produce fruit. Your life will be fruitful. And then right after laying out this concept, this is what he says in John 15, 11. He's speaking to you and me. He says, I've told you this about staying connected with me so that my joy may be in you telling you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now just think about that for a second. There's, there's uh, somehow Jesus is saying, if you will stay connected to Jesus, you will be overflowing with complete joy. Now, always, I don't think that's possible. I'm just telling you. Like, well, but you just said it. I'm just saying life is life. But this is what God wants for us. And you find it in the Old Testament as well. It's really fascinating um, where Jesus or God just says, thou shalt party. It's like a command in scripture, the first five books of the Bible, um, where where the children of Israel, time and time again, you find this word festival coming up, actually 121 times um, in scripture. uh, This word shows up because God had strict laws with his people where he's like, you need to stop your daily life. You need to take a break sometimes for weeks at a time, and you need to party. You need to have a festival. You need to celebrate life, celebrate the creator of life. And so he puts into his law, you're going to stop and you're going to enjoy and have joy. He mandated his people to celebrate. It's a gift from God. Like I'm telling you, that feeling that comes out of you when you laugh, um, it comes from God. Uh, Laughter is an outward expression of joy that's coming from inside. And I love how the uh, theologian Dallas Willard, he describes God. He says, God is the happiest being in the universe. So he even says in his word, you have got to stop and have festivals and party and, and, and have joy. Why? Because he knows we have a tendency as we get older to celebrate less. He knows we have a tendency as we get older to laugh less. He knows as we get older and life kind of bears down on us that we have the the tendency to experience less joy. And I love that he wrote that into the law. He made them take time. And I think if if he could, because we're not under that law now, we're under a different law of the New Testament, but I think he he would say the same thing. Would you just stop and and enjoy life? And I'll just tell you what I think about Jesus. Um, Because when he was on the earth, all of the disciples and all the people following him said, you're just different. 
you're different than every rabbi we've ever heard. And they used different words. They said, you teach with authority. So he had a power behind his words. But I think there's another thing that, that was in there with Jesus that set him apart. I really believe that Jesus had an incredible sense of humor. Like, I think he could take a group of 20,000 people sitting on a hillside and have them rolling in laughter. Because if he created laughter and he was the designer of joy, you don't think Jesus um, could, could make a crowd laugh? I think that's one of the things that set him apart. It's why, why people came from all over the place to hear him and then stayed with him for two, three, four days at a time. Because I think he just made it fun. It's like, I'm going to tell you how to live this life. And I can imagine him just making fun of the disciples and teasing them all the time and giving them stern words. But I just think that he was different from other rabbis because you know what the rabbis did? They went around teaching the law. Here's 637 things that you have to do. And if you don't do them, you're going to hell. So you got to be like me and follow me. And they didn't, we weren't happy guys. They were like, like, that's what they walked around like. And then here's Jesus. And he's just full of this life and this joy. I think that's why he turned religion on its head. Because people said, I don't, I don't want any part of this stuff that I've been hearing my whole life. But this guy, I, I want more of what he has. And what does he say? And he said, if you'll connect to me, my joy will be complete in you. So the second thing about laughter, and I'm going to kind of fly through some of these. Uh, this next thing is laughter does a body good. Um, laughter does a body good. There is this passage in the scripture, uh, in, in the book of Nehemiah, uh, where Nehemiah, he, he ended up being one of the great leaders in the Old Testament. He built, rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem after it had been kind of slammed uh, and had, the walls were knocked down. Um, he rebuilt the walls, and there's this moment where they found the scriptures that they used to follow after generations hadn't followed the scriptures, and so they start to read them and uh, because they had forgotten them, and he's reading them to the whole nation. And uh, no, Nehemiah 8.8, 8, you've got to really listen what he says about joy at the end of this passage. He says, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people had been wiping, weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. And this is the most powerful part. If you can grab this and put it in your life. For the joy of the Lord is your, what's that word? Strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, why are they weeping? Because they're having this law read to them, this word read to them that they had forgotten for generations, and they realize how much time they've lost. And they're weeping over the loss of generations. And, but, and then Nehemiah goes, no, 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 stop doing that. Go home and enjoy. P throw a party. Let's throw a festival. And, and because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're not going to have strength weeping and crying. There's a time for that, but the joy is the strength. And so, uh, you know, that to me is, is one of the most incredibly powerful things that we need to hear this morning, that there is a strength and joy when it comes from the Lord, and that the joy of the Lord is something you can grasp. The joy of the Lord is something you can wrap your arms around and, and hold tight to. In fact, there's this great uh, example, Stephen Covey, um, he wrote Seven uh, Effective Habits of Highly Effective People, I think that's the, the title of the book, or Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he would do this experiment in his seminars with thousands of people. He would send two people out of the room just to talk about the strength uh, of joy, um, like literal strength of joy. And he would tell the crowd when the first person came back out, he said, hey, when, when this person, I'm going to ask them to hold up their arms for as long as they can. 
And as soon as I tell them to go, I want you to boo. I want you to make this room just negative. I want you to be down on them, tell them they can't do it, whatever you need to do, but we're going to boo them while they've got their arms up. And inevitably, um, this person would come in and they would say, go. And he would put his arms out and, and the room would just go negative and boo them. And it would, about 60 to 90 seconds, their shoulders would just sag and they just didn't have any more energy to keep their arms up. And then before they brought the second person back in, he would say, okay, this time I want you to go nuts. I want you to jump. I want you to shout. I want you to cheer them on. I want you to encourage them. I want you to make this place uproarious like in there. And what they found, they would show you, because they were talking about, of course, the workplace setting, is, is you could come in and uh, that person would come in and put their arms out. And it was like three, four, five times as long as they're just like, I, can, I got this. I got this. And everyone's cheering them on. It was literally they were stronger when there was joy in the room than when there wasn't. Now, uh, laughter is incredibly good for the body. Now, I want to back this up with science and uh, because there's a lot of science into this now. And uh, so we put together a video on the science of laughter that I want you to watch. But before we do, we're going to receive our offering here. Um, and so if you are here for the first time and you are, you are brand new, I just want to tell you, you can laugh this part of the service off. <laughs> See what I did there? Okay. Um, you could just let the basket go by. We're not interested in your money. But if this, is, if this is your church home and you're about the mission that we're about, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. And for those of you that give online, thank you for doing that. A lot of you do. You can go to our website and hit on the giving tab and you can give online. And uh, thank you for those of you that do that. And so while we're receiving that, let's watch this video on the science of laughter. I wonder why Marvel doesn't put advertisements on the hall. He is essentially a giant banner. <laughs> While some of you may have chuckled at that silly joke, some of you had no urge whatsoever. Humor is very subjective, and some people laugh more easily than others. But one thing's for sure, laughter is a great gift. Some laughs are immediately recognized. We have Chewbacca laughing at one of Han Solo's mistakes. Laugh it up, fuzzball. The annoying laugh from Janice. <laughs> or Seth Rogen. <laughs> Always. Oh, that's really funny. In an article in Psychology Today, they followed 1,200 case studies. The research found that while both sexes laugh a lot, females laugh more, 126% more than their male counterparts. While women tend to do the most laughing, males tend to do the most laugh-getting. Think back to your high school class clown. Most likely the clown was a male. Have you ever caught yourself laughing at inappropriate times? Well, I know I have. That's because laughter's not under conscious control. It simply happens. Fight it all you want, but you'll probably lose. According to Forbes magazine, laughter is a potent endorphin releaser. One of the most recent studies on laughter shows that laughing with others releases endorphins in the brain, our homegrown feel-good chemicals, via opioid receptors. The more opioid receptors a given person has in their brain, the more powerful the effect. This explains why social laughter is so contagious. <laughs> Want to be more heart smart? Well, put down those beta blockers and listen to your favorite comedian. It's true. Research has shown that laughter has an anti-inflammatory effect that protects blood vessels and heart muscles from that damaging effects of cardiovascular disease. Oh, my. 
How this happens isn't exactly understood, but hearty, regular laughter should probably be part of every heart disease prevention program. Feel a cold coming on? Oh, no. Well, the emergency's got nothing on a good epic fail. A good guffaw has been proven to produce T-cells, and the T-cells are activated. They bite off that nasty virus. The next time your throat starts to itch, add some chuckling to your illness prevention plan. Tired of dieting and vigorous exercise? Well, I know I am. So open up Netflix and watch an episode of The Office. Your abs will get a great workout with some robust laughter. The muscles in your stomach expand and contract, similar to when you're on an ab roller. Plus, the muscles you're not using have a time to relax. And what about your day at work, huh? Having trouble meeting your deadline, maybe? Well, good news. David Chain and Lou Wayne, Australian National University management professors, conducted a study about laughter in the workplace. It was found that people who watched a funny video clip before a tedious task showed great perseverance and were able to spend twice as long on the tiresome project compared with people who watched a neutral video. In the business world, many successful organizations such as Zappos, Virgin, and Google deliberately build play areas into their workspaces and organize fun activities to alleviate the stressful nature of work, boost morale, and increase productivity. According to the Mayo Clinic, there are some other great benefits to laughter. It stimulates your heart, lungs, and the muscles. It fires up and then cools down your stress, leaving a more relaxed feeling. A good howl can stimulate circulation and aid muscle relaxation. It also produces its own painkillers, huh? Laughter has so many great benefits. Go ahead and give it a try. Turn the corners of your mouth into a smile and then give a laugh. <laughs> Even if it feels a little forced. Once you've had your chuckle, take stock in how you're feeling. Huh? That's the natural wonder of laughing. I saw some of you in every scene, turn the corners, every mouth up, you guys were like, like, that was so funny, that was great. Um, but, but there's a ton of medical facts right around laughter. In fact, I'm going to give you two more that he didn't get to. Um, uh, Dr. Francisco Contreri said this, he said, one bout of anger will diminish the efficiency of your immune system for six hours. He said, one good laugh will increase the efficiency of your immune system for 24. Like, it's that Difference. You burn 78 times uh, as many calories uh, laughing as you do when you're resting. There's Dr. Fry, University of Stanford. He said if you laugh for 10 minutes, it's like getting on a rowing machine for 20. Like that's go. Uh, this is what I would say. Sell the treadmill and go and buy like Meet the Parents, Dumb and Dumber, and Thor Ragnarok and go at it. Like you'll, you'll lose more weight. Um, but I'll, I'll just tell you this. Um, well before science backed it up, the writer of Proverbs said this. A joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Um, laughter not only helps us physically, it helps us emotionally. It allows you to let go of anxiety, let go of fear. Um, it allows you to release tension. It's emotional therapy. And, and it actually, uh, working on this message, made me think about our family vacation we took this last summer. Um, we, uh, we did something for the very first time ever. We went whitewater rafting. And uh, I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, we had never been. Our youngest girl at the time was nine. And then our oldest boy was 14. There's four of them. And then Melissa and I. So we had six of us in a raft. And when we went to go sign up and pay and everything, she said, oh, hey, uh, you're in an unguided raft. And I'm like, no, we're not. 
She's like, oh, yeah, so it's right here. You signed up in an unguided raft, which means we have no one else in the boat but us. Like, we don't have nobody. We've never done this before, and we have nobody in the raft with us. And I'm like, I'm like ma'am, um, well, can we get somebody in the raft? And she's like, well, that'll be like $50, and I'm super cheap. And I'm like, okay, we don't want anybody in the raft. But we really want somebody in the raft. And she goes, you know, I, 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 we can't have anybody anyways because we don't have anybody to go in your raft. And so we're, like, going down this river um, with Class 2 and Class 3 rapids by ourselves with nobody else in the boat. And I'm a little, like, nervous about it. I've got a prosthetic left leg, and, and it's kind of one of those deals where I'm like, man, I don't know if I can wrap my legs around the boat and not fall out. It's kind of scary, and i got a nine-year-old. We've never done this, and I'm just feeling, I'm envisioning them getting sucked under the water, like going like this and like losing them forever. you got all that stuff going through your mind, and so then we get out on the river because there's no going back, and I'm just telling you, every rapid we went over, there was just a little release of tension. We started laughing and we started enjoying to the point where like every rapid halfway down was just uproarious laughter until by the time we got to the end, we were just having such a good time. They have a photographer at the very last rapid. It's a class three rapid. And I want you to just see a picture of what happened to our family over the course of that three hours. I want you to look at everybody's face. Every single one of us is just having a blast. It's just having a blast. It was an incredible bonding moment for our family. And I think in that moment, um, Jesus was laughing with us and at us a little bit, but with us, because he loves when we laugh, which gets me to my last point about laughter and joy. And I want to go ahead and invite the band out for this. Um, And that is this. Sometimes um, embracing joy is a choice. Right? Sometimes embracing joy is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not something that you get from somebody else. Oftentimes you, you choose it. And when you choose joy, because life isn't always like a blast all the time, there's something that happens to your spirit. In fact, there's this great passage the Apostle Paul writes, um, brilliant leader, author, and Christ follower who wrote most of the New Testament in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord. What's that word? Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says it again. He's like he wants to emphasize. I say rejoice. Let your evident, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now here's the trivia question. Where was Paul when he wrote this? Prison. He doesn't know if he's ever going to get out of prison. And he's writing to the church in Philippi who are all free. He's saying rejoice always. And I'm going to say it again because you need to rejoice. Why? Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And so I will just say this to you. Today you can choose joy or you can choose worry. Which one do you want? Because God says when you connect to me, I'll give you joy that's full. And I'll tell you, I need this. This is ministering to me today because um, just a couple uh, of months ago, um, I got home from work and I just was in a good mood and was just playing around with the kids and everything. And my little daughter, she's nine, she just goes, goes, Dad's in a really good mood today. And I was like, I am. But why would she say that? Because she hadn't seen it in a while. It was different. And it made me stop and think and go, my goodness. And I started thinking back through my life. And I'm like, I bet it's been months since I walked in the house like that. And it just hit me because I remember back at times in my life where I walked in the house every day like that. What happened? I grew up. <laughs> 
the worries and stress of life kind of pile in and I forget that I've got a, a connection to joy every day of my life and all I have to do is call on him. God will give it to me. And so I've just been telling you, I've been praying. I need the joy of the Lord today. Give that to me. And so I'll just say it this way, because the only way to really get the joy of the Lord is to be connected to him. And I just want to say it this, this way. No joy, no Jesus, no joy. No Jesus, no joy. No Jesus, no joy. But no Jesus, you will know joy. So I just want to pray for a second, because I know there's some of you in here and you haven't stepped across the line of faith. And maybe today is your day to know Jesus, invite him into your heart. I just want to give you the opportunity to do that. I feel it would be remiss of me to not. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Um, Jesus, there's some people in here that don't know you, which means they don't know joy on a soul level. And they're ready to accept you today. And so I just want to ask you if that's you to just make my words yours. You don't have to say them out loud, just say them from your heart. and Just say, God... I want to accept you today. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I believe that he died on the cross for me and paid for my sins. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins right now. I invite you into my life so that I may know joy. So fill me up with the joy that comes from you so that I may live my life differently holy name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that with me on December 9th, you can get baptized, publicly saying I'm a follower of Jesus. And this is, now I would love for you to do that. Um, and then as we're ending our service, we're going to end a very specific way. There was a song uh, that we sang growing up in church, um, and we're not going to sing it today because it's like really old, uh, very traditional. But here's the words. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. And those of you that know it, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so we're going to take a couple minutes and just sing. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. So over the next few minutes as this song starts, I want you to, um, to, to just take whatever's bothering you and bugging you and lay it down. And then when they invite you to sing, stand up and let's sing to God and allow him to fill us up with joy. So I'm going to turn it over. And let's do that together.